everybody. This is episode 39 of Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. We always appreciate you checking us out. And if this is your first time listening in, of course, welcome aboard. This week, we're talking college football recruiting. And as the coronavirus pandemic has continued on here in the United States, college football recruiting has also continued. And joining us this week to talk about Ohio State recruiting and Michigan recruiting is Alan True. Now, Alan covers Midwest football recruiting for 24-7 sports. You can read him every week in the Detroit News. And Alan has a really good pulse on what Ohio State and Michigan each are doing with 2021, Ohio State currently has the number one class. Michigan, not far behind them at number seven, and they're second in the Big Ten. We break down a few specific recruits that are going into Ohio State and Michigan for the 2021 class. And then we talk about the general landscape of college football recruiting. The pandemic has altered some methods, looking at virtual tours, a lot of Zoom chats. Could this be something that we see even post-pandemic? We definitely talk about that. And then, of course, we react to the news that we heard last week with the Big Ten going to conference-only schedules in the fall. Alan gives his take on that and how recruiting is impacted by that change. Last week, in case you haven't checked it out quite yet, I was joined by Ashley Bastock, who covers Michigan for the Blade, and Nick Petrovich, who covers Bowling Green for the Blade. And we broke all of that down as the news broke that the Big Ten was going conference-only including for football. What impact does that have on the Big Ten? What impact does that have on the Mid-American Conference? So if you didn't get to that episode yet, we appreciate you checking that out right after this interview with Alan True. Enjoy our conversation, and I will talk to you at the end of the podcast. Alan, thanks for taking time to join us this week. We, of course, Really do appreciate it. Last week, the Big Ten announcing that all fall sports are going to a conference-only schedule. What was your reaction when you heard that announcement that they made? Well, I heard that this was possibly coming or that it was an option that was on the table. So I wasn't too surprised. Um, but, you know, I, I, my reaction to it is that I, I, my belief is that the reason is to try to get the season done um, before Thanksgiving to allow kids to then go home for that break and, and maybe take an extended break um, into the, the Christmas and New Year's and all that. So it limits some travel, limits some exposure, and then also lets um, kids, you know, get the season done um, before they go home for the holidays. So I think it's a good idea at this point, but I'm still not that confident that we'll be playing football at all at the college level. The vibe seems to have gone, at least since we've seen cases surge across the country, from about a 5 or a 6 on the scale of 1 to 10 to about a 2 to a 4 now. So it sounds like you're kind of erring on that same side of caution right now. Well, yeah, I, I just, I guess part of it for me is just not getting my hopes up, but then also seeing cases rise, seeing the number of student athletes who have tested positive, even though it seems like it's a relatively small number compared to the numbers that have been tested. Um, you know, just even seeing 
uh, how many have tested positive is a little bit disheartening. And then just trying to figure out what's safe for everybody. You know, there's not you know, concerts have been canceled. A lot of things have been canceled. So I I see sports kind of fitting into that right now. So I would love it more than uh, just as much as everybody else if I could get back to some normalcy and watch some football. But I don't have a ton of confidence in that at the moment. No, and even if we do get to football, it's a rigorous road that we would be traveling on. And even right now with the NBA and the MLB back in camp and we're seeing the NHL come back right now, you see those cases and you see some, of course, colleges start to close down their football camps. I know Ohio State closed down, but they recently reopened. We talk about with the idea of a conference-only football schedule. We bring you onto the show because you are very well-versed in recruiting in the Midwest region and, of course, Ohio State and Michigan, the top two recruiting classes for 2021 in the Big Ten. I wanted to ask you specifically about what do you think this conference-only schedule, whether it gets played out or not, how does that affect, in your mind, recruiting for 2021 and even looking ahead to 2022? Well, I think that the first thing from a recruiting standpoint that I would wonder is, if you go to a conferencely scheduled, does that change whether or not you're going to allow student athletes to be on campus for visits? Can you bring in official visitors for a Michigan-Iowa game in September where you're limited, potentially limiting fans in the stands, having safety measures in place? Um, do you still allow a bunch of recruits to be there? So that would be the biggest thing I think that, that the conferences and the NCAA needs to figure out. And that's the biggest potential hindrance to recruiting in the fall is normally that's what you're doing. You're, you're bringing kids up for game visits, and then you're trying to expose them to the atmosphere in your stadium. So if there's 15,000 people only in the big house, does that change the experience for those recruits? Or if there's you know 15,000 people in the horseshoe? That's not the same as getting to experience a typical Ohio State home game. But for the most part, I think that affects the next class. Michigan and Ohio State and a lot of the Big Ten schools are so far along in their 2021 class that it affects a little bit of you know some of the guys that were hoping to wait and take official visits. But where you really, I think, are affected is that you can't get 2022 kids onto campus for games because a lot of those kids end up deciding next winter or next spring, so before you're playing uh, another football game. And I'm looking right now at the 24-7 sports composite rankings for 2021, as far as players are concerned. And just using the example right now of Corey Foreman, he's currently rated as the top recruit in the 2021 class out of Corona, California. Right now on 24-7 sports, the estimate is that he's an 88% chance to attend Southern California, and then there's a 12% that he goes to Clemson. So perhaps maybe this season with the conference-only schedule, that 12%, do you think that could scale back to even less than 10%? Do you think that some recruits would be affected that way? So in some ways, I think that the local schools do have the advantage. If you're USC and you're recruiting a, a kid that's from California that's been able to take some trips to your campus on his own without the benefit of the official visit paying for it, I think that you have an advantage over Clemson who isn't going to be able to fly the kid out, put him up in a hotel room with his family and whoever else he would choose to come with on that trip. The only thing that gives me pause on that is the number of kids who have committed this year 
two schools that they've never even physically set foot on that campus. Um, that has surprised me a little bit. But kids have gone through visits in the virtual sense and gotten comfortable with schools that way. So I think that can still happen. Um, but I think more and more kids have also started to take visits on their own, meaning kids have gotten in the car and just driven to a campus. just happened with a kid from Minnesota that was considering Notre Dame. He just got in the car with his parents. They drove to South Bend. They couldn't officially be hosted by anybody, but they just wanted to get a feel for the campus and the town. And the kid ended up thinking, I can see myself here and committed to Notre Dame. That doesn't probably happen for a kid from California considering Clemson. So I think it does favor some schools in a closer proximity to the prospect as these visits get shut down. You mentioned the idea of some athletes committing sight unseen. I believe Travion Henderson did that, the five-star running back who committed to Ohio State a couple of months ago. I believe he was one of those that did that for 2021. Yeah, he was. And and I think when you're a kid that's at that level, you know, he's a five-star, number one running back in the country. I think you're considering a lot of things in your decision that are more important than that. Can he get developed into an NFL guy at Ohio State? Well, there are numbers in the NFL draft would certainly tell him that they can. Um, has he connected with the coaching staff? He can do that over the phone and FaceTime and virtual visits and all that. And then, you know, I think he felt like the running back spots may not always be there, so needs to hurry up on a decision. So for a guy like that, when you're considering a bunch of schools who all their campuses are going to be pretty nice, all the facilities are going to be pretty nice, like let's make the decision based on factors that I can know right now. And then once I can finally visit Columbus, I'm sure I'll think the weight room is nice. I'm sure I'll think the dorms are nice. That that in-person stuff maybe wasn't quite as important to him in, his, in the decision than some other factors, which he didn't need to be in Columbus to figure out. Real quick, before we talk about those 2021 classes for Ohio State and Michigan, here at The Blade, we cite 24-7 sports' work quite a bit when it comes to football and basketball recruiting. We always hear about five-star prospects and four-star prospects and three-star prospects. Based on what the criteria may be at 24-7 sports, can you give us kind of an explainer on what classifies an athlete in that star ranking classification? Yeah, so first with the five stars, a very limited number. There's uh, 32, and that correlates to the NFL draft. So um, we're basically projecting five stars to be the most likely guys to become first-rounders. The four-star guys are guys that we think will have good enough college careers to where they're going to get drafted. Three-star guys are essentially – you know, power five prospects on the higher end of that range, which their rating would be somewhere from an 80 to 89. The higher end of that range are guys who we think would still have a shot at getting drafted or being in a camp. And then the rest of those guys are power five guys who may end up being good players or depth guys at that level who don't get a chance at the at, in the league. And then two stars are, you know, strong FBS guys to lower end FBS guys, um, group of five type guys. So, where there's some blending is, like we think, for instance, every year Toledo signs a number of guys who can be Power 5 guys. So that's where some of the higher-rated MAC commits will be rated above guys who actually went to Power 5 schools. It's not a blanket system of just because you had an offer from LSU, you're going to get ranked above a guy who's going to Toledo necessarily. Um, 
and then I think the other explanation is that there's a 24-7 sports composite, and then there's our own in-house rankings. And I think that confuses people sometimes. The composite is an average between 24-7's ranking and ESPN's ranking and Rivals' ranking, which are the three main recruiting sites. So the composite gives you an idea of the average, what's the, what's the composite of what the three recruiting sites think, and then you can also switch over to our in-house rankings and see just what 24-7's recruiting team thinks. Well, thank you for that. That's a beautiful explanation on that. And just to kind of clear the air for some people who still may be confused on that, because like I said, all the time we hear about five-star prospects and three stars and whatnot. And especially around here in Toledo with, you mentioned University of Toledo, and even we cover Bowling Green State University. If you see them pull a three-star prospect or even a two-star prospect, that's right about the ground where you would see a a mid-American conference type school. Yeah, and I think we've we've tried to do a better job of scouting everybody. You know, I had a chance to see Corey Davis in high school. I thought he was really good. We had him as a three-star, probably, you know, in, in where it turned out. He should have been a four- or a five-star, but that's where we've become more willing to step out on a limb on some of those guys and, and not just say, hey, let's just only actively – thoroughly scout the guys going to Ohio State, but let's make sure we don't miss the guys that are going to the MAC because those that conference puts guys into the pros every single year. Let's do a better job uh, on those guys, and we've made a concerted effort to go deeper than ever before. Taking a look now at Ohio State and Michigan's 2021 classes, right now Ohio State is ranked number one in the country according to the 24-7 sports rankings, um, 18 total commits, four five-stars, 11 four-stars, and right now they are 38 points ahead of Clemson, who's at number two. Who stands out to you in this 2021 class among all of these stud names that Ohio State seems to be bringing in on paper? It's almost easier at this point to talk about the guys you're more skeptical of because they have so many guys at the top of this class that are are legit. And we've already talked about Travion Henderson being a five-star running back. Donovan Jackson, the offensive lineman for Texas. As a staff, we think he's maybe the safest prospect in the country. Like His bust potential is extremely low. He comes from a really good high school. He's played varsity for several years. Is a pretty position versatile. Probably going to be a guard at the next level, but has played tackle. Just a guy that we think you know is, is very safe to be a starter and contributor at Ohio State. Kyle McCord just went out to the Elite 11 finals. Had a good performance out there was uh, the top performer at their pro day event. Big, strong quarterback who is a pretty good athlete in his own right. I think he gets maybe pegged as a pocket guy, but is a pretty good athlete. And then for me, Reed Carrico is maybe my favorite prospect in the class. Um, a kind of a classic throwback inside linebacker. When you say that, sometimes people think you're talking about a guy who's, who's a hard-nosed guy, but maybe not a great athlete. But this kid is very explosive, very fast high vertical guy, basketball player, and I think he's just going to fall right in line with that really strong tradition at Ohio State of uh, that linebacker position. When Ryan Day took over as the head coach for Urban Meyer, people were skeptical of how recruiting would be affected at Ohio State, but it seems like the direct opposite has happened in that recruiting has picked up and surged almost twofold. What makes Ryan Day such an effective recruiter in your mind? Well, I think that, first of all, I think the, the keys to success in recruiting from the head coach position start with just P. 
pure effort. Um, and he's a guy who hits the trail extremely hard. He's not somebody that has to be prodded by his staff to say, hey, coach, can you get on the phone with this guy that I'm recruiting? Coach, can you make sure you touch base with this family? He's doing it. I think because he did it as an assistant, and he did it under a guy who also put that kind of effort into recruiting in Urban Meyer. So he's a completely different personality type than Urban, but I think he learned the kind of dogged, determination and the kind of never sleep attitude that I think you need to have. And then he's got um, the background. He's got the background and he's got the personality. So I think parents and families have really appreciated his honesty and straightforward approach to it. And then I think that that kind of like love of recruiting because recruiting can be, I think a drag for these coaches in addition to all the things they have to do. And and I get the impression that Coach Day actually really enjoys it. It's not something that is a daily kind of, oh, man, I have to call these recruits now for him. It's almost like he enjoys the chase more than the actual get. Well, there's another, I mean, he's a competitive guy. All these guys are competitors. And I think it's just another competitive aspect to say, we want to beat our rivals on the field and we want to beat them in recruiting too. And I think that they, you know, Urban definitely took that approach. He He speaks to it still to this day. And I think that that's been passed down to Coach Day and the entire staff. Transitioning up to Ann Arbor, the University of Michigan, currently number eight on the 24-7 sports team rankings, number two in the Big Ten. They have one five-star, ten four-stars. And that one five-star, J.J. McCarthy. And, Alan, for the last I don't know how many years, it feels like 50, we, we being the community, have talked about Jim Harbaugh and his ability to develop quarterbacks. It seems like since Jim Harbaugh took over as the head coach at Michigan, they've still tried to find that dynamite star player at the quarterback position. Do you feel that J.J. McCarthy, who is that lone five-star, is the number two-ranked quarterback in the class, can be that guy for Michigan? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I grew up in Michigan, and watched a lot of Michigan football growing up and also followed the draft very heavily. And it just seemed like every year when you Michigan had that guy, when you went from, I think it was probably Elvis Gerbach when I started watching to guys like Todd Collins and obviously Tom Brady. And, and so just Michigan always had a quarterback that was in the draft. And that hasn't happened as often lately. And I think that J.J. McCarthy – can be that guy. I've seen him a number of times. He is he combines a lot of aspects that I think you look for. So first there's kind of that intangible like you you kind of touched on it there of star quality. You have some of that moxie and he's definitely got that. And I think we're going to see more of it this year with him going down to a place like IMG Academy where new environment, much higher level of competition um, and I think that it's going to bring out the best in him. He's also a good athlete can escape pressure, make throws on the run, and he's got natural arm talent. He's a kid who got his first offer in the eighth grade just from coaches seeing how he threw the ball. And the big question mark on him was, is he going to be big enough? He's kind of slight framed, um, 170, 580 pounds during the season last year. He really took that to heart in the offseason, just showed up at the Elite 11 Finals, measured just under 6'3", 6'2", and some change, and was 190 pounds. So starting to answer that question of frame, which I think was maybe the biggest question mark on him. 
I know there's a bit of a quarterback battle going on at Michigan for this year, but do you feel that once McCarthy arrives on campus that that job's going to be his? Well, I don't think it's going to be handed to him. He's going to have to show that he's ready. Um, I, I do think that when you look at quarterback recruiting recently, last year um, they had J.D. Johnson in the class. He had the heart condition and ended up you know, not, not playing football anymore. And they had to take a guy late in Dan Villery, who I think is a is a was a pretty good prospect considering that they had to kind of find somebody late. But it's not like JJ has a five star in the class in front of him. So there are some things that set up for him. And I do think that this year at IMG has the potential to move him forward and have him get on campus more ready to take that job than if he had stayed in Illinois for another year. So I do think JJ's got a lot of tools and a lot of experience, and those things are going to help him be able to compete early. I asked you this about Ohio State. What player or players would you say that maybe are a little bit under the radar recruited uh, that Michigan locked down for 2021? Well, I think first, Xavier Worthy, who they just got out of California, is a four-star guy, but he has a chance to be a real game-changer. Um, legitimate high-end speed track guy, 10, 500-meter guy. I think he's going to be a, a big-time playmaker and bring the kind of speed that they've been looking for. When you look at what they brought in last year, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, Michigan would have put together a, a pretty darn good track team just based on the receivers they recruited in the last two classes. And then um, Rod Moore, safety out of Ohio, I think he's going to approach four-star status for us. He's definitely a guy we're going to look at. Hopefully there's football in the fall to be able to assess that. Jaden Hood from down in Florida is a guy who really stands out on tape. He's a striker, a lot of speed, the kind of linebacker that's been successful under Don Brown. So those are two guys that um, are in the three-star range for us that I think have a chance to be really good players. You mentioned it earlier how the schools are looking for that edge to get exposure, and you've seen the the virtual tours, and we've heard about how these schools are building these video packages to pitch to recruits. Do you think that this could be something we see post-pandemic, lack of better phrasing, these virtual campus visits, and maybe some more of these sight-unseen things can become a bit of a more normalcy? Absolutely. I think because schools are recruiting more uh, nationally, uh, this is going to be something that they can use um, in order to um, in, in order to recruit kids further away. Uh, so you look at Michigan, who's a school that recruits kids from as far out as California and Washington, and then all the way down into the southwest and the southeast. When those kids can't pay for themselves to get to campus, that's going to be a chance for Michigan to use these virtual visits to let them see what they need to see before they're able to get to Ann Arbor. The same thing with Ohio State. They recruit nationally. They recruit kids from every corner of the country. Allowing that kid to see campus, allowing that kid to talk to coaches in a virtual sense, and not just phone calls anymore. Using Zoom to be on a face-to-face call with the whole staff, maybe even players on the team, um, and allow them to sort of walk you through campus and send you some videos. Every school now recruits outside of their local footprint, and I think Virtual visits allow you to really move that forward, and it takes some of the pressure off of the student-athlete and their families financially to try to get to some of these places on their own dime. 
That's great stuff there. Alan, thanks for the time here that you gave to us this week. We really do appreciate the insights. Stay safe out there. It's tough right now for a lot of people, and uh, certainly we're all trying to deal with it. Thank you so much for the time you gave us this week. Yeah, same to you, and no problem at all, anytime. There you go. Thanks again to Alan for taking time out of his schedule to join me this week. Thanks again, of course, for the insight, too. Great stuff there on Ohio State and Michigan recruiting. Still a long road ahead of us when it comes to the sports world and the coronavirus pandemic. Getting back to some form of action. We'll see what happens with college football this fall. But once again, the recruiting trail is still open. Thanks again to Alan, and thank you for listening to Episode 39 of Glass City Game Time. If you enjoyed the show or want to listen to previous episodes of this podcast, there are plenty of ways to do that. You can check us out every week on ToledoBlade.com. You can check us out on Blade News Slide and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Glass City Game Time and you will find us. Please subscribe. We always appreciate that. That goes a lot farther than you might think. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a like rating. So, for Alan True, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week.